In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. We greet our brothers and sisters all over the world in the greeting words of peace. We say it in our original tongue of Arabic, the language of our ancestors. Assalamu alaikum, and that means peace be unto you. Welcome to Mas Maryam, the national center of the nation of Islam. This house and this broadcast is dedicated to the re-education and the retraining of the black man and the black woman of America, and ultimately to the entirety of the human family. It is our honor on this morning to share with you the life-giving teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad as taught and demonstrated by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Brothers and sisters, we are living in very strange times. And even if you don't consider yourself a student of the scriptures, all of us internally can feel that this is a time that is different and it is very unique. We are experiencing strange weather. We are seeing crime on the increase. We are witnessing a falling economy and political insanity. In the midst of it all, we are still under a pestilence where people are losing their lives daily. What does all of this mean? What should we be doing at a time like this? And what role do you and I play at this time? Does God see what is going on? And if he does see it, what is he doing about it? In today's broadcast, we intend to answer those questions and so many more. But for our first speaker to come up this morning, we have a very special presentation, brother, so get comfortable. You're in for a wild ride, as they would say, in, in other uh, theaters of entertainment. But we want to bring up our first presenter this morning with a round of applause from your homes, Sister Naya Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum. In the most holy name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I greet you beautiful brothers and sisters with the greeting words of peace and paradise in the Arabic language of assalamu alaikum. Thank you to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan for this humbling opportunity, as well as Student Minister Ishmael Muhammad. In the lecture, The Woman and the Dragon, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan states, the female is exceedingly important in the scheme of the divine. She is so important that when the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was asked after Allah and his messenger, who should we honor next? He said, your mother. The companion said, who then? The prophet said, your mother. The companion said, well, who after that? He said, your mother. The companion somewhat somewhat exhausted said, and who after that? And he said, your father. For the prophet to say three times next to God in the service that admits us into the mercy, favor, guidance, and beneficence of God, that mother is next, that should tell us the value of the female in the sight of God and how valuable she should be in our sight. The minister goes on to say, a whole chapter or surah from the Quran is named after the most important woman to, to have ever been born on this earth. And that woman is called Maryam or Mary. Mary is so important that the angels literally had to dispute among themselves over who would have charge over Mary because Mary was the owner of the womb that would bring forth the Messiah. 
This messianic figure that works from the womb of Mary would signal the presence of God among men to redeem humanity and reconnect humanity to God after our disconnection through the disobedience of Adam. We can't even get to redemption except through a woman that gave birth to a redeemer." End quote. In the divine value of women, the minister spoke to the sisters. You are not the woman of man. You are the woman of God. You are not man's woman. You are the woman of God. And he uses you in a co-creative work of creating the human beings that will make for God a better world. So your womb is sacred, and no man should have access to that channel if he's not a God-fearing man that loves God. And because he loves God, he will love you. And then from that love of God, then both of you will produce a child like Jesus, like Mary produced." End quote. In the lecture, How to Give Birth to a God, Part 2, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan told us, quote, Reverence the womb. Reverence carries a deep significance here. Revere, to revere something is to hold it in awe, to hold it in high esteem. The word reverend is the title given to one who is held in awe, high esteem, because of spiritual gifts and wisdom. But we don't like the term reverend because none is reverend but God. But Allah says to us, reverence the womb. Why should you hold the womb in awe, this great, dark, mysterious, magnificent womb? Why should you reverence it? Because everything that you see came forth out of it by the command of a God who acted upon that womb. And every one of you came forth out of that dark, mysterious chamber. And so God commands us to reverence that womb because you don't understand the power that is there. That is God's laboratory. End quote. We must protect our women and protect their minds in order to protect what will be produced from their womb. It's all a science. As women, we have the ability to produce a child like Jesus. It takes our submission to Allah. In the lecture, The Immeasurable and Limitless Value of a Woman, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan says, quote, what is the woman the foundation of? Yes, this world in which we live has been destroyed because the woman has been spoiled in and lead waste. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that where there are no decent women, there are no decent men, because the woman is the mother of civilization. Civilization is not judged by a man. Civilization is judged by a female. Did you know that every prophet or messenger of God in allegorical or metaphorical language is styled as a woman? The minister explains, quote, because as a female bears patiently the foolishness of her children, a prophet or messenger of God bears patiently the ignorance of his people as he attempts to reform them and make them better, end quote. So this woman or this messenger of God that has been given guidance and revelation from God is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. He has bared patiently with us as we have heard his divine warnings and some of us have rejected and rebelled against it. But remember, just like a father, at some point Allah's mercy runs out 
and we suffer the consequence of our mishandling and mistreatment of God's woman. God has chosen a way for male and female to live our lives according to his will. The question is, do we choose to live the way that God has instructed us to live, or are we in rebellion against the will of God? We have the choice either to obey God or to be destroyed during the judgment of this world. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Brothers and sisters, we're almost at that time, so we're going to get straight into it. In the scriptures of the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, it says that there was a time and a season for every activity under the heavens. In verse 7 and 8, it talks about how there was a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time for love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So the question we want to pose this morning is, what time are we currently in? What is the season that we are under, and what activities should we prioritize and concern ourselves with in an hour such as this? To do the wrong thing at any time is just wrong, but even to do the right thing but at the wrong time, our actions will not bear any fruit. Out of all the things that men are in control of, out of all of the things that we have influence over, no one even makes the claim that we are in control of the season. All of us submit to a greater knowledge and we leave seasons in the hands of Allah. So the season and the time that we are in is dictated by God's agenda. So we need to get up into his mind in order to understand what time we are living in. It doesn't matter that we may desire a season of health, wealth, and, and prosperity. If God has determined that this is the time of judgment, then it is what it is. We are living in the time described in the scriptures when it says, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. In the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's article in the current edition of the Final Call newspaper, he talks about the time. He says, the great, dreadful, and awful day is now in the door and windows of America. A few paragraphs later, he says, this is the day of God Almighty to set up justice and equality throughout the earth. He is to free the black man, the American so-called Negro, from his deceitful, evil, and murderous enemies. America wishes to oppose Allah in this work of bringing justice and freedom to her once slaves. But this is just what Allah wants. He wants America to attack him, to get the fight started, and to bring his judgment against her with the fullness of his strength and power. So the stage is being set, brothers and sisters. The final conflict is underway, and we are living in a very critical hour. But how do we overcome and survive in an hour like this? And the answer is by listening to, by studying, and by carrying out the divine guidance given to us by God through the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Whether you want to accept it or not, brothers and sisters, he is the mouthpiece of God and to acquaint us with that divine guidance that he has given to us. We have his national assistant to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, student minister, Ishmael Muhammad. Please, let's receive him from our homes with a virtual round of applause. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. <clears throat> In the
In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness there is no one and nothing that deserves to be worshipped besides Allah. We thank Allah for his many blessings. We thank him for his goodness. We thank him for his mercy and his grace. We thank him for his prophets and messengers from Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad, peace be upon these worthy servants of Almighty God, Allah, who brought guidance as well as warning to the people for which they came to and a warning to the wicked. I am a student of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and I could never thank Allah enough for his intervention in our affairs in the person of Master Fard Muhammad and for raising from among us his messenger Messiah, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, and giving to us today from himself a divine reminder, a divine leader, teacher, guide and warner in the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. We greet all of you once again with the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. My dear brothers and sisters, we thank you for joining us this morning and we hope you will receive what we have to say. Given the events of 9-11 and the fact that America is remembering the tragedy and horror of that day, mourning the loss of those who died in that tragedy, and given the terrific aftermath of 9-11, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan called me this morning as I was finishing our subject from last week on fear, faith, and truth, and gave me words to share with us today. Allah willing, we will come back next week with part two of fear, faith, and truth. But today, we want to focus our attention on 9-11 the significance of that day, and most importantly, the divine warning that Allah, God, gave to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan for America and to the President at that time, President George W. Bush. 9-11 triggered a war and the justification of the United States government for that war was to go after those who perpetrated those crimes. They used 9-11 to justify taking the oil and resources of Afghanistan and then Iraq. 20 years later, after spending trillions of dollars 
and destroying the lives of tens and hundreds of thousands, the United States has withdrawn their troops, leaving Afghanistan tatered and ruined, abandoning those that allied with America. America asked in 2001 the then Taliban leader, Amir Mullah Mohammed Omar, to turn over Osama bin Laden, which they later killed Osama bin Laden under President Obama. Osama bin Laden in 2001, if you recall, was in Afghanistan and America charged him with orchestrating the horrific attack on America and sending the airplanes into the Twin Towers, the attack on the Pentagon. There was the United Airlines Flight 93 with 44 passengers on board that was headed towards the Capitol, and that plane was derailed, and all of the passengers and crew died in that plane crash. The Taliban leader asked America to turn over the evidence, but in an arrogant expression, America did not turn over the evidence they said they had, and the war started. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan delivered a press conference from right here at Mosque Mariam. Members of the national and international media were present to hear what the minister and the nation of Islam had to say. And in the audience on that day were officials from the fire and police department. There were religious and spiritual leaders in the audience, politicians. And on that day of the 16th of September, the minister in his press conference extended our condolences to the families who lost loved ones on 9-11. We commended the firemen and the policemen and the women who risked their lives on a daily basis to keep an ordered society and a society free from the danger of fire and crime. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in the press conference said, quote, these police and fire persons should be looked upon as heroes, notwithstanding the fact that we have issues of police brutality and racial profiling. Yet, it must be understood that these police and fire persons leave their homes every day to do their duty in an ever-increasingly violent society, never knowing whether they shall return home to their families. There is a verse in the Quran that speaks of the courage of those who run to the fierceness of the center of the battle. 
These are the foremost men and women of great courage and valor. These firemen, the minister said, and women, and these policemen and women were running toward the fierceness of the flaming fire of the World Trade Center as many were running from it. Their courage, their valor, their sense of duty caused them to run into that building, not caring for their own lives, but for the lives of those whom they were intent on saving. Unfortunately, many of their lives were lost in the process of this noble effort. In that same press conference, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan warned America to guard and to be careful how she responds. The enemy has said many false things about the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, about the nation of Islam, but we have never been an enemy to America. We have never been against America, but we have been very outspoken against America's wicked policies. And for that, we have had to pay a price, a price that comes with telling the truth, a price we are willing to pay. We were attacked after 9-11. We were also attacked and initially charged with the responsibility for the Oklahoma City bombing in April of 1995. And initial reports blame Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam, only for it to later come out that it was one of their own and own, pardon me, in Timothy McVeigh. We want to lift for you two letters that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan wrote to President George W. Bush. And the reason why we want to lift these letters is so that America can know the mercy of God and the heart of the servant of God in our midst. These two letters came after the press conference on September the 16th, 2001, and the minister wrote his first letter to President Bush in December of 2001, and he introduces himself with these words. I am Minister Louis Farrakhan, national representative of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, whom I believe Allah God raised among the black people of America to teach us Islam as a means of our reformation and resurrection. He was also raised by Allah God as a warner to the government and people of the United States 
of America. I sit, the minister wrote the president, in his seat by Allah God and his permission. Therefore, his mission is my mission. And it is out of my sense of mission and duty that I write. This is a black man, an ex-slave, and I don't think you know of anyone that has wrote the president and presidents of this nation with the word of God and to offer the presidents of this most powerful nation on our planet guidance. Why guidance? Why warning to keep America from going in the way of her sister nations, the ancient nations that preceded her in fame and glory and wealth and military might. But all of them, unfortunately, were destroyed. Ancient Babylon and ancient Egypt, and the Bible talks about a modern Babylon of which the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that America fulfills the modern Babylon. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, in his letter to President Bush, expresses his sentiment in these words. I am deeply concerned for our country, and I am deeply concerned for you. I used the possessive pronoun our because the blood of my ancestors soaked this soil and their blood has been shed on every foreign battlefield for the preservation of this nation. Therefore, we as a people feel a deep sense of ownership of America as much as any American. And it is also out of this deep sense of concern and ownership that I write to you. I write to you, the minister said, from my prison, a prison without bars that has been made for me because of the passion of the truth and justice out of which I speak and the propaganda that makes me appear to many as anti-white, anti-Christian, anti-Semitic, and anti-gay. None of these names accurately describe who I am. I hope that you will open your heart to what I am writing, notwithstanding the prison from which I am writing. These are just a few captions from his first letter. Since Adam, the minister said or wrote, there has not been one person or nation with power and dominion over the whole earth. This is the awesome position that America holds by Allah, God's permission. 
This indeed is a great trial for you and for America because when Allah God allows any one of us to rule over his servants and a great part of his creation, he does so to see how we act. If we act well, he will replace our rule. He will not, pardon me, thank you, replace our rule. However, if we allow the power, wealth, and wisdom that we possess over Allah God's servants and creation to blind us so that we act other than Allah God would desire us to act, then he acts through the forces of nature and through people to overturn our rule. We're lifting these words of 20 years ago to bring perspective on what is happening to America today. And that as a result of America's rejection of a divine warner of God's mercy, America is suffering greatly. The minister said to President Bush in his letter, this is a very dangerous hour, but it is an hour filled with great opportunity. What is needed in this hour is right or divine guidance. And this guidance must be in accord with the time and what this time demands. It is written in the book of Revelations, the nations were angry and thy wrath is come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, we are living in the day of judgment. And that is what is producing the anger of the nations and the wrath of God. This is the time that those who have been deprived of justice must receive justice. For it is only our acting on the principle of justice that will ease the anger of the nations and take away the wrath of God. There can be no justice without truth, and there can be no peace in the world without justice. So as a nation, America is blessed with wealth, wisdom, science, technology, and abundance. America is also blessed with the awesome power to destroy nations of people. But in order for you and America to receive the greatest of Allah God's blessing, which is longevity and perpetuity, that former great nations and empires have not enjoyed. 
You must rule according to the will and the way of Allah God. Mr. President, you and this nation stand in the position of the vicegerent of Allah God. The vicegerent, the person or nation that rules the earth in the place of Allah God. This is why America must rule the world as Allah God himself would rule. For she is now standing in his place by his permission. Allah God, the minister wrote in his letter, has awesome power to destroy. He's called the possessor of power over all things. And he is also called the destroyer, the avenger. However, none of these attributes are his principal attributes. All of his attributes of might and power to avenge and destroy are balanced by his major attributes, which are beneficence, mercy, the nurturer of all things, making them attain stage after stage until they reach perfection, and king or judge who judges with justice. These are the four greatest attributes of Allah God. If America, the minister wrote, is to be truly triumphant in this hour, these four great attributes must give balance and direction to America's awesome power to destroy and her desire to avenge the horrible act of September 11th. When I heard the minister expresses, you say that this act against America on September 11 has given purpose to your administration and that you feel that it is your mission to destroy the terrorists, their networks, those who harbor them, and that the awesome power of America will be used towards this end. This, you hope, will be the legacy that you will leave to future generations. You also hope that the children and the American people will live without the fear of such evil as we experienced on September 11th. However, Within these statements are my reasons for deep concern. You have risen to the challenge of this hour, and this hour has given you the support of the American people and the support of most of the nations of the earth. In my humble judgment, what you see as the purpose of your administration must not hinder or blind you from seeing the possibility of an even greater purpose and potential legacy. And it is out of this desire to see you fulfill that which will give you the greatest legacy that I write to you as a humble servant appealing to a great and powerful nation and ruler. 
I respectfully say to you that I believe if you continue this effort in the way that you presently have in mind, it will not end terrorism, but unfortunately may increase it. 20 years have passed, and the minister has forewarned everything that America has faced and suffered in these last 20 years, and he closed his first letter with these words. He said, I believe that I can be of service to you, our nation, and to all of those whom you believe are America's enemies. I believe that all of them can be made the friends of America. The whole world would like to have America as a true friend, but America can never be a true friend of the people of the earth until and unless she rules with the wisdom and spirit of Allah God, which reflects itself in our love for humanity, our love for truth, and our exercise of the principle of justice. The nations would be willing to share their resources with America with joy if they believed that they would get a fair price for what they produce that would allow them to raise the standard of living of their people. There is nothing that the earth possesses that America could not have easy access to if America determined to rule the nations of the earth with the principle of justice. If America turns away from this principle and does what she is doing because she has the power to do it, then Allah God who grants power will take it from America and bring another people in her place. This does not have to be but it will be based on how America conducts herself in this hour of her greatest trial and her greatest potential triumph. Mr. President, please think and pray over what I have written and speak to your advisors and close friends concerning it. I pray that Allah God will grant you the wisdom to see what I'm saying to you is good and is the way to triumph over the evil and hatred that is in the world against the United States of America. May Allah God grant you the wisdom to see deeply into the prophet's utterances concerning this hour. I pray that we will be triumphant over terror and become the friend of Allah God in doing so. Best wishes for your success. Thank you for taking time to read these words. I am your servant in the war against evil. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan to President George W. Bush. Beloved, Brothers and sisters, how can you say that Farrakhan is a hater?
how can you even say that he's anti-American? He was born as I was born and we as black people born in America. This is the only country that we have known. We love this nation. And as the nations before America, always coming up from the slave, came a voice of reason to the powerful. From the slave came a messenger from God to warn and to help these great and powerful nations avert the divine chastisement and judgment of God. Now some of us who don't like America for what she has done in her evil mistreatment of us may not like what or how the minister offered himself as a servant, but I say to you that the son of man that we're looking at in the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is a warner from God. And you may not know what a, a warner looks like, but it is written of him in the book of Ezekiel to say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? The book of Timothy tells us that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So God sends his servant to warn. God sends his servant as mercy and as grace to a powerful nation. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan represents the grace of God, the mercy of God. And as we close, the minister sent President George W. Bush a second letter. Less than a year after the first letter and a little after a year after 9-11, he wrote President George W. Bush for the second time on October 30th, 2002. And he said, I'm writing this letter to once again appeal to you in the strongest way that you might heed my humble counsel and sincere warning to you. I am not your enemy, nor am I an enemy to this country. But I do believe that the course that you are guiding the nation on will increase many enemies for you and the nation at home and abroad. The minister referenced his first letter and said, in my first letter, or in, in my last letter, I respectfully call your attention to US presidents and their dealings with Islamic nations and leaders over the last several years. And I warn that should you pursue what I know is in your heart and mind concerning Saddam Hussein and Iraq, 
that you would lose the great advantage that you gained after September 11, 2001, and that the coalition would fall apart and you might be forced to go it alone. Also, I opined that if you did such, you might run into something that your advisors had not thought of or perceived. This is already happening. Nations are becoming afraid of you and the tremendous power of America. In this state of fear, they will not stop trying to attain weapons of mass destruction because they believe that it is the only thing that you will respect. There is a rising chorus of anti-war demonstrations in the nation and throughout the world, and it will intensify as you move toward war with the thought of occupying Iraq. They had already bombed Afghanistan. Now they were targeting Iraq. The anti-war demonstrations will blame every death of an American service person and every death of an Iraqi citizen on you, and this will produce a crisis for your administration within the United States as well as in countries throughout the world. I am writing to plead with you that there is a better way. However, the more you talk and the stronger you talk about regime change, you paint yourself into a corner from which it becomes increasingly difficult to extricate yourself. There are times in history when men of conviction go against the tide of world thought and opinion bringing suffering upon themselves to establish a new truth or a new idea. However, this is not that time for you. In my judgment, this is a time when the President of the United States must not only listen to his advisors and study their agendas, but he must listen to world opinion. If the President of the United States seems to show no respect for world opinion or for the thoughts of the members of the Security Council of the United Nations, then your actions will turn the nations of the world against you and against America. Your actions will also render the United Nations an ineffective institution for future peacekeeping want you to mark these words because they were said 20 years ago. And right now, the United Nations is an ineffective institution in peacekeeping. Ancient Babylon was a city that caused all who traded with her to wax strong, but at a certain point, the neighboring nations turned against Babylon and she was destroyed and left as a sign. 
The book of Revelation speaks of a mystery Babylon that ancient Babylon was a sign of. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the minister wrote to the president, my teacher and guide said that America is the fulfillment of that mystery Babylon. The minister closes his letter, Mr. President, you must study prophecy in order to beat it. And to say that again for our current president and for all, you must study prophecy in order to beat it because everything that is happening in this nation and around the world is the fulfillment of prophecy. Look at the nations to the north and south of you. Are they pleased with you, your administration and your policies? Look at your friends in the Middle East. Are they really pleased with you, your administration and policies? Look at your European friends and your African and Asian friends. The prophecy teaches that they will take your money and whatever you offer, but they will hate you and ultimately make you desolate. The minister warned that we are headed into a terrible time. I'm writing this letter as a final witness of my deep concern for you and for the nation. Believing, however, that you are bent on doing what is in your heart with respect to Iraq and Saddam Hussein. Mr. President, if you do this, you will bring down. These words are so critical. Look at what the minister said 20 years ago. He said, Mr. President, if you do this, you will bring down on America an increase in the divine judgment of rain, hail, snow, wind, earthquakes, pestilence, and famine that is already witnessed in the country. As you go about destroying other nations and cities, you will bring this kind of divine wrath on the American people and on the American cities. What is America suffering right now as we speak? The increase of divine judgment, the increase of rain and floods. Look at the devastation. Look at the property damage. Look at the loss of lives with Ida. And it hasn't stopped burning fires in the West. A faithful warner has warned America. And now we are under a plague under a pestilence. Famine is on the horizon. Great earthquakes are prophesied. And now, America, because you have rejected a divine warner among you, America is suffering the divine wrath and bringing upon the American people and the American cities, the judgment of God. The minister said in closing that letter,
please reconsider your plans. May Allah, God, guide you to make the right decision for this nation, for the future of the world. I am your servant in the war against evil. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, servant to the lost found nation of Islam in the West. So that was his second and final letter to then President George W. Bush. And here we are 20 years later. And in 2020 of last year, the minister was guided by Allah with a subject that when I was leaving him on my visit to Phoenix, before departing to the airport, I asked the minister had he considered a subject for Savior's Day. And he said, no, but within a couple of minutes, he said, son, my subject is the unraveling of a great nation. And shortly after, he delivered that monumental speech. And when we were in Detroit at Savior's Day, the virus was already in the country, already spreading. And after Savior's Day, it was made public. And the pandemic has spread. And the pandemic has not, as the minister said, on July of last year, you will not defeat, you will not conquer this virus because if it was yours, you would know how to solve it. It didn't come from Wuhan. It didn't come from Fort Detrix. It is a pestilence from heaven on all the inhabitants of the earth. We're in a serious time, brothers and sisters, and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is not among us of himself. He is from God. Do you mind if we see the rebroadcast of the press conference? It's not long. It was delivered on the, 20, uh, the 16th of September Almost, uh, yeah, exactly 20 years ago. Today is uh, the 12th, so the timing of this, I think, is very significant, and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is moved by the Spirit, and he called me and said this is what he wanted to share with the world the significance of that day and what God put in his mouth to say not only at the press conference, but in those two letters to President George W. Bush. So let us now listen to the rebroadcast of the press conference delivered on the 16th of September 2001 that put perspective 
on the horrible tragedy of 9-11 that has really set the stage and triggered everything that America has done in these last 20 years. And as a result of rejecting the warner of God, America is unraveling fast and is suffering unnecessarily because the wicked are always too proud and too arrogant to hear reason and truth and guidance from one of its ex-slaves. Brothers and sisters, this gives me great honor, privilege, and pleasure to introduce to you this broadcast. Let us now hear with an attentive heart the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, we give him praise and thanks for his guidance and his blessings to the human family. The greatest of his mercies and blessings come through his raising of prophets and messengers and sending to us divine revelation through scripture. So we thank Allah for Moses and the Torah. We thank him for Jesus and the gospel. We thank him for Muhammad and the Quran. Peace be upon these worthy servants of Almighty God. I am a student of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and I could never thank Allah enough for raising this man up among us to lead, teach, and guide us to the straight path of God. I greet all of you, my dear brothers and sisters, distinguished guests who are present, those watching by satellite in the various cities of America, by internet and by satellite throughout the world. Words are inadequate to express the pain, the sadness, the anguish that has moved my spirit to come before you today to speak from my heart to your hearts. And beyond this room to the hearts of a nation grieved, angry, and in mourning, and beyond this nation to the nations of the world who have been and will be affected by this tragedy that has come to the United States of America. I, like millions of people around this earth, watched in amazement, shock, and horror the events of September the 11th and the unfolding of the ripple effect of this terrible tragedy. I have listened with great care to the leaders of this nation, political and spiritual. I have read the condolences of leaders from around the world who stand with the United States of America in this hour 
of her greatest national tragedy. I have listened and watched the President of the United States with his eyes filled with tears, feeling the pain of the countless numbers of Americans affected by the tragedy of events on the morning of September the 11th. I, on behalf of all the members of the Nation of Islam and on behalf of many millions of Muslims here in America and throughout the world, lift our voices to condemn this vicious and atrocious attack on the United States. In this very dark hour in American and world history, the greatest need for us and for the leadership of this nation is divine guidance. In the beginning of this creation, there was nothing but darkness. But out of darkness, God created light. And Almighty God makes us bear witness to the creation of our universe out of darkness by causing each one of us to come from the darkness of our mother's wombs out to the marvelous light of his creation. This is to teach us that no matter how dark the hour may be, in the midst of that darkness, there is light. And no matter how much despair there may be, in the midst of that despair is a ray of hope. And the Quran says that Allah brings the living from the dead and the dead from the living. For wherever there is death, there is also life. And in the midst of life, there is also death. We mourn the loss of the many who have perished in this national and international tragedy. We commend the firemen and the policemen and women who risk their lives on a daily basis to keep an ordered society and a society free from the danger of fire and crime. These police and fire persons should be looked upon as heroes, not, <laughs> notwithstanding the fact that we have issues of police brutality and racial profiling, yet it must be understood that these police and fire persons leave their homes every day to do their duty in an ever-increasingly violent society, never knowing whether they shall return home to their families. There is a verse in the Qur'an that speaks of the courage of those who run to the fierceness of the center of the battle. These are the foremost men and women of great courage and valor, these firemen and women and these policemen and women were running toward the fierceness of the flaming fire of the World Trade Center as many were running from it. Their courage, their valor, 
Their sense of duty caused them to run into that building, not caring for their lives, but for the lives of those whom they were intent on saving. Unfortunately, many of their lives were lost in the process of this noble effort. The loss of nearly 300 firemen and nearly 100 policemen is not easy to replace. But I am confident that New York will rebuild. We commend Mayor Giuliani and Governor Pataki and all the city and state agencies that work so well to minimize the effect of this tragedy, not only in New York, but in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. The doctors, the nurses, the hospital personnel, the rescue teams and workers, and the many people who gave blood and did whatever they could to ease the pain created by this tragedy have shown the true spirit of the human being. Tragic events like this manifest the worst and the best in the human spirit. Our thanks to the news media who worked through the night and day to bring to us the horror of this tragedy and to share with America and the world the pain and the hurt of those who lost their loved ones. Tragedy, however, can be turned into triumph. Sometimes a wise, loving, and merciful God permits tragedy in our lives to encourage us to turn tragedy into triumph. Since the election of President Bush, this country has been deeply divided. The Congress has been deeply divided, and no amount of political skill or political money could unite America behind its president, but tragedy did. No amount of political skill could unite the Democrats and the Republicans, but tragedy did. No amount of preaching by all of us who preach could make the many diverse elements of society come together as brothers and sisters in a unified expression, but tragedy did. All of our preaching of the value of prayer and our preaching against the things that God forbids could not stop us from doing these things, but tragedy stopped us in our tracks and caused us to reflect on God, and tragedy caused the nation to bow down and pray. The scripture says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. How then shall we look at such a tragedy? The question was asked, where was God in this tragedy? How could God permit such an evil thing? There is a verse in the Quran that reads, 
whenever misfortune befalls the believer, the believer says, God is my patron, and to him is my eventual return. All of our lives are from God, and all of our lives are for his purposes. He says in the Quran, I give life, and I am the ultimate cause of death. He also says in the Quran that no soul dies but by his permission. Why did he permit such a tragedy? And even though the male carries the sperm and the female the egg and from our uniting together human life is formed, yet Allah said, not mother, not father created you, but I created you in the womb. So he who gives life has the sovereign right to call life back to himself as he pleases, when he pleases. The Reverend Dr. Billy Graham, in his sermon at the National Cathedral on Friday, a day of prayer, remembrance and mourning, said that many times he has asked the question, why does God permit evil? He spoke of the mystery of iniquity written of in 2 Thessalonians. And in the same sermon, although he said he has never answered that question fully to his own liking, he partially answered it when he thanked President Bush for calling for a national day of prayer remembrance and mourning. Dr. Graham said that this nation is in need of spiritual renewal and revival. And tragedy has brought us to the beginning of that process. Why does God permit evil? Where was God? in this tragedy. In the Quran, there is an answer to this. Whenever a nation becomes great and powerful by God's permission, as America has, whenever a nation becomes the undisputed ruler of the world, as America has by Allah's permission, when a nation becomes the only remaining superpower, having the power to destroy other nations and people by the tens of thousands and millions, as Allah has permitted America the power to do, and that nation then has a spiritual lapse and begins to sink into moral decline, the Quran teaches that Allah raises a messenger, but he raises that messenger from among the poor and the abject to guide and to warn the great and the powerful. Allah knows that the powerful will not heed a warning coming from their ex-slave or from the weak or from the abject. So the Quran teaches that Allah then seizes that nation with distress and affliction 
that it might humble itself. For only in humility can the proud and the powerful heed the guidance of God, which is mercy and grace from himself. Allah used this tragedy, hopefully, to bring a great nation to him. I was born in this country, in New York City, and though the pain that black people have suffered in America has caused me to be angry with the country of my birth, however, in my maturation, I know that with all of America's problems, she's the greatest nation on this earth. And in spite of America's problems, America has the potential to become the greatest nation ever. So as a citizen of this nation, I do not wish to see harm come to her. So I must lift up my voice and cry out not just as one crying in the wilderness, but as one out of love who wants to see this nation avoid the pitfalls that have destroyed the great nations of the past. Tragedy was turned into triumph. Tragedy began the spiritual awakening of a great nation and steeled its resolve to overcome the wickedness of those who perpetrated this assault on the United States of America. It took tragedy to bring about what all of our preaching could not do. So even out of the worst evil can come the greatest good. This hour, however, is producing the greatest challenge that this nation and this present world have had to face. This tragedy and the anger that it has produced in the leadership and the people of America has produced for this nation and the world in which we live a trial of huge proportions. And in an hour such as this, we need the perfect and unequaled guidance of God. So in the book of Proverbs it reads, and lean not on thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. This terrible tragedy must have an appropriate response by the government and the people of America. The perpetrators of this crime turned the symbol of the nation's aviation and technological brilliance of the 767 and 757 Boeing airplanes into missiles and messengers of death and destruction. 
the perpetrators of this crime used American and United Airlines that symbolize the greatness of America's majesty of the air to make these airplanes messengers of death. The perpetrators of this crime destroyed a national symbol of this nation's financial strength and architectural genius. The perpetrators of this crime struck at the Pentagon, the symbol of the military might of this nation. And that fourth plane that crashed in Pennsylvania may have been heading for the White House or the United States Congress, the symbol of our nation's executive power and prestige and the symbol of the great laws that are made to govern a great nation. But by attacking the symbol of our nation's economic pride and military pride, indeed, this was an act of war. So the leadership of America and the people of America are justifiably angry. But anger is a blinding emotion that can impede the process of reasoning. Pride also is a blinding characteristic. The Bible teaches that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We agree with President Bush that there must be an appropriate response to this wicked attack, but anger and wounded pride should not and must not determine what that appropriate response should be. I saw on ABC television Peter Jennings addressing little children and young adults and they were raising very good questions and giving very interesting answers and statements. But one of the most important questions that I heard from the children and from the lips of the American people was, why do these people hate us so? President Bush answered saying, they hate us because we are the beacon light of freedom. They hate us because we are good. They hate us because we are the land of opportunity. And others say, they hate us because they envy us because of the way we live and the wealth that we have. Pastors and preachers and Reverend Franklin Graham said that they hate us because we are Christians and they want us all to be Muslims. With all due respect to our president and to these esteemed religious leaders, that is not the best answer to that question. I can speak on behalf of Muslims, and I must say that no Muslim hates a Christian 
because he's a Christian and believes in Jesus Christ. This is a mosque, and there are thousands in America and millions across the globe. There are 1,250,000,000 Muslims, and every one of us believe in Jesus. This book, Quran, refers to Jesus in the same language that Christians refer to him as Jesus, the son of Mary, the Messiah. So to say we hate Christians because you are Christians is wrong. These are at best surface answers to what produced this tragedy. If the perpetrators hated us because we are Christians, they did not kill just Christians. According to the figures that I heard, 1,400 Muslims work in the World Trade Center and are missing or dead. The perpetrators kill black and white and Asian and Hispanic and Jews and Christians and agnostics and Hindus and Buddhists. This is why it was a crime against humanity. The wise of this world know that there is a law of cause and effect. Why are we angry today? Why are we mourning today? Why is America in the spirit that she's in today? This is the effect, but the cause was on the 11th of September. But what is it that caused 19 so-called human beings to run planes into buildings, killing themselves and others without a care for who they were killing, men, women, and children? Why do they hate America as they do? This is a valid question that demands from our president and our leaders a better answer. Those who perpetrated this horrendous act have lost their humanity and had become like wild beasts with only one thought in mind to devour their prey. These persons so depraved only wanted to bring death and destruction because of their hatred for the United States of America. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught me that our universe is, is constructed on what the Quran calls the maizan, or a balance. That balance is justice. And that is why the symbol of justice is a woman blindfolded with a scale in one hand and a sword in the other. Justice is what balances the human mind. 
And whenever any human being is deprived of justice, the mind becomes imbalanced. The greater the injustice, the greater the imbalance in a democratic society and in a civilized nation. Institutions are established for the redress of grievance. And it is the success of granting to those who seek the redress of their grievance and having it done that returns balance to the human mind. The Palestinians believe they have sustained injustice since 1948. Whether you agree or disagree, from their point of view, they have not had justice. They have cried out in every forum for the redress of their grievances, and justice has not come. They live in refugee camps are scattered throughout the world and every day they live with the horror of what they suffer. So as more and more minds become imbalanced to the degree that life has no more meaning for me. For there is no joy in being free if there is no justice Jo joy is the, is the result of justice. And so out of despair and hopelessness and waking up every day without the joy of justice, this is what causes children to strap themselves with bombs. They care nothing for their lives and they care nothing for the lives of others. They want others to feel the pain of what they live with every day. So some Palestinians danced in the streets, not because they have no feeling for American life, they danced because they wanted America to feel what they feel, what they have lived with. They are only a tiny minority. The majority of the world grieved with us. We stand with President Bush, the government and the people of the United States in their desire to hunt down those responsible for this heinous crime against humanity. But we caution the most powerful nation on this earth that has the power to inflict pain on any nation beyond imagination, that counsel from the highest spiritual sources must be sought by President Bush and the administration before they undertake this war. The President of the United States has sat down with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, his National Security Advisors, and indeed a war has been planned and is being planned. While the President has sought counsel from his military advisors, I hope that he will seek counsel from spiritual men and women of this nation who have studied prophecy.
especially those prophecies related to this time. I would humbly, humbly advise and implore the President of the United States before he takes this country into war to counsel with scriptural scientists who are among the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims. There are those who have given their lives to the study of prophecy and can advise him so that as, the, as we put on the armor of battle, we have to put on the whole armor of God lest, lest we lose. Mr. President, I plead with you that this war that you intend could trigger the war that all the scientists of religion and of war have desired to escape, the war that would end all wars, the war of Armageddon. The scriptures teach that when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, this is a sign of the end of this present system of things. The horrible and escalating violence in the Middle East is a potential trigger of Armageddon, and this is why the world must be interested in peace in that area, but there can be no peace in that area without justice, and it seems as though the political people cannot bring it about, so those who are religious scientists must rise to the occasion. The children of Abraham, Muslims, Christians, and Jews pooling the best of our knowledge of scripture can help to solve that problem. We must be allowed to do it lest it cause something that causes most of humanity to perish. This that happened on September the 11th could be a trigger of a war that was predicted regarding this time. The scriptures warn us that when the horror of this war begins, that if God had not shortened these days for his elect's sake, no soul would be left alive on the earth. And this is what we face. We cannot march off into war saying hip, hip, hooray. We have to march off into war guided by the knowledge of what this is. And if we can avert war, we should do everything we can to avert it because blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I would appeal to the scriptural scientists among us, those of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, to be utilized by President Bush to help him to understand this hour from what the prophets saw and predicted. There are some prophecies that can be beaten, 
And there are some mitigating circumstances that can even remove, delay, or postpone the horror of judgment. But this will demand guidance from God, and it will depend on the choices that we make. Our hearts in an hour like this must be humble enough that through our tears and anger and extraordinary pain that we reach for the unequal guidance of God. America, as a beacon light of freedom, has called many nationalities, many races, many ethnic groups to these shores. And among these are Arabs and Asians, many of whom are Muslims, who have come to this country not to destroy it, but they've come to this country and they rejoice in the freedom that they enjoy to use their skills to make a better life for themselves and their children. They build their mosques and schools so that they can keep in touch with their religion and their culture, not to destroy America's culture and her way of life. Most of these immigrant Muslims came to serve America. And you can find them in hospitals, in colleges and universities, in research laboratories. And they are aiding in all aspects of American technology and scientific progress. Surely they love the countries of their birth, but they greatly love their adopted country, the United States of America. And though some of these perpetrators of this horrible crime may claim to be Muslims and be people that speak Arabic, the American people should not attack these good citizens and destroy their mosques or beat and harass them simply because of the evil that has been done by those who may profess the religion of Islam. This would only make you like the perpetrators of this crime who attack the innocent because of their anger and their hatred. When Timothy McVeigh committed the worst act of terrorism on American soil, the first persons accused of this were members of the Nation of Islam and immigrant Muslims and many followers of Islam were attacked. And then it was found that the perpetrator of this crime was a white American, a soldier who professed to be a Christian. But no Christian of his denomination was attacked. And even though his crime was the most horrible committed up until that time, nobody said Christian Timothy McVeigh. They just said Timothy McVeigh. <laughs> Timothy McVeigh's be behavior was unchristian-like. And those who perpetrated this crime against America their conduct was absolutely un-Muslim-like.
in the Holy Quran, God teaches us, let not hatred of a people incite you to act unjustly. While this is good counsel from God for the Muslims, it is also good counsel for Christians and Jews and the President of the United States of America and the American people. The Quran admits that some of us will be hateful of others. But Allah demands that we let not hatred of any people cause us to act unjustly. The hatred that deprived these human beings of their sanity and their humanity is based on something far deeper. So as I heard Colin Powell, our Secretary of State, say that we're going to rip up these cells of terrorism and we will seek them out and hunt them down wherever they're found. And I heard a, a female general, General Kennedy, on television say yesterday, we're not interested in capturing Osama bin Laden and taking this through any court. We want the head of this viper and all of those who are like him. So these people are talking about violating international law, violating any law that will impede them from their pursuit. And if Osama bin Laden were presented to the American people on a slab, this would not suffice the bloodlust that this terrible tragedy has unleashed in America. So as our Secretary of State said, we will rip up these nests of terrorists. I appeal to the President and I appeal to the Secretary of State to take the courage to look at the foreign policy of our nation. And if it is our foreign policy that has produced this danger and hatred toward America. So as you go into such a war, we have to ask ourselves, what has we done to produce this? Not the American people. Not the soldiers that are in the armed forces of America. But what have the policymakers of this country done to produce this? I have gone all over this world preaching atonement, reconciliation and responsibility. And into every nation into which I have gone, I have not found people hating the people of America. But whenever they speak disparagingly of this country, they speak of America's foreign policy policies that are made that the American people know nothing about. So I sincerely hope
and I pray that the policymakers of this nation who have made policy based on corporate greed. I would hope that this terrible tragedy would cause the policymakers of our nation to look again at how we formulate foreign policy. There are two golden rules, one in Christianity and one in Islam. The golden rule of Christianity is do unto others as you would have others do unto you. As a Christian nation, this golden rule should be at the core of our policies, domestic and foreign. But is it? As Muslims, we are told that we are not Muslims or we cannot be considered righteous until we want for our brother what we want for ourselves. This is the rule, or these are the rules that should guide policy. A better foreign policy of America would defeat terrorism forever in the world. I hope, I hope that President Bush and those with him will turn this tragedy into the triumph of right over wrong, of good over evil, of justice over injustice, and let not the blood of those who died be shed in vain. Beloved people of America, there is nothing of consequence that is not attended by the shedding of blood. That same World Trade Center, many workmen died putting it up. Every bridge in New York that connects the boroughs to each other, somebody died to build that bridge. Every tunnel in America, somebody died to build that tunnel. Death must serve the cause of life, freedom, justice, and equality, and righteousness. So let this terrible tragedy lead to a rebuilding of spiritual values that connect the children of Abraham, Muslim, Christian, and Jew, in a rebirth of moral and spiritual values that could lead to the making of a new world, a world that ultimately will beat swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, not just for the cultivation of the earth, but for the cultivation of every living human being on this earth so that never again will men be so depraved that they will do what was done on September the 11th, 2001. May God bless the citizens of America. May God guide the leadership of America in this very dark and troubling hour 
as I greet you with peace. Assalamu alaikum. All praise is due to Allah, brothers and sisters. We pray that you enjoyed today's broadcast and that you have more clarity and more insight into what is happening, what has happening, and what is taking place here in America and all over the world. If you would like to read the documents at your own leisure of the two letters that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan sent to President Bush, you can do so. We made it readily available on our website. Go to noi.org forward slash docs and you can read them at your own time. If you believe that what you heard today is the truth and that it is good for our people, we want you to join your nation of Islam. You can do so by going to noi.org forward slash join and completing the form. And one of our representatives will reach out and contact you this week. Also in Islam and in the major world religions, there is a principle called charity or zakat. And in the Holy Quran, chapter two, verse 274, it says those who spend their wealth by night and day, privately and publicly, their reward is with their Lord, and they have no fear, nor shall they grieve. If you have something that you can contribute and give to the work of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam, we want you to make that donation right now. You can go to noi.org forward slash donate and give whatever Allah puts on your heart to give. Also, we want you to visit us at store.finalcall.com. There you can find a host of materials from books, by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, books by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and so much more. Visit us today at store.finalcall.com. If you have yet to secure your subscription to the greatest newspaper on earth, The Final Call News, that is our current edition. You can get the hard copy from the brothers out in the community, but there is also a digital version available, and you can go to finalcalldigital.com, get your subscription, and each week this powerful periodical of truth will be sent directly to your cell phone or your tablet. We also want you to visit us at finalcall.com. At the top of the page, you'll see a button that says Final Call Radio. You can click that button 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and get powerful excerpts of lectures by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, our Friday Jumar prayer service, our weekly Sunday mosque meetings, and so much more. Visit us today at Final Call Radio. If you have yet to hear, the Nation of Islam Supreme Bean Pie is now available for nationwide delivery. If you would like to order and have this delicious treat sent directly to your doorstep, go to thesupremebeanpie.com. And last but not least, we want you to come right back here to NOI.org on Wednesday and Friday of each week. On Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central, we go over a course of study called The Time and What Must Be Done. And on Fridays, we go over self-improvement, the basis for community development. Both of those meetings are at 7.30, and as always, come right back here each and every Sunday at 10 a.m. for another powerful message from one of the student ministers here in the Nation of Islam. With that being said, brothers and sisters, let us close out today's program with a word of prayer. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, all praise is due to Allah, the Lord of the worlds, the Beneficent, the merciful, master of the day of judgment in which we now live. Thee alone do we worship and thine aid do we seek. O Allah, guide us on the right path, the path of those upon whom thou hast bestowed thy favors, and not the path of those whom thy wrath is brought down, nor of those who go astray after they have heard thy teaching. Amin. Assalamu alaikum. Greetings, dear listeners. 
We have been blessed by Almighty God, Allah, over the 90 years of our work in the nation of Islam and lifting our people up from the miserable condition in which we find ourselves. We ask your support of our effort and we hope that you will be generous and make a contribution to the work of the Nation of Islam and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan by clicking the button below or go to noi.org forward slash donate. We thank you in advance for your support. May Allah God continue to bless you and your families. Assalamu alaikum. Now you can get the same uncompromising truth you've come to expect from the Final Call newspaper on all your connected devices. Subscribe to the Final Call Digital Edition today. Go to subscribe.finalcalldigital.com.